If you are like me and know that free enterprise is the greatest opportunity in the world, but you also see there are huge issues starting to arise, like why is mentorship decreasing in popularity? Why do entrepreneurs like us who love to succeed see people fail at the top and never leave true significance? And how do people like us make a lasting impact on the world? And is it possible for enough entrepreneurial leaders together to make a real difference? These are the blaring questions, and this podcast is the answer. Journey with me, your host, Christian. Together, we will challenge the status quo and conquer our legacies. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. I'm your host, Christian D. Evans. And guys, we have someone very special. She is, I will tell you very simply, embrace your inner lazy and profit like a pro. That is what she's known for. And she just has an incredible award-winning business coach, consultant for online entrepreneurs who want to embrace their inner lazy, profit like a pro, and add philanthropic, uh, philanthropists to their list of credentials without ever underchanging or feeling like they have to be anyone but themselves Again, she combines hardcore strategy and a lush work so that you can grow and scale your business efficiently and in integrity. With 10 years as a sought-after TEDx France and keynote speaker, this woman right here is a contributor to Entrepreneur, and her work is featured in Forbes, Business Insider, National Geographic, and so much more. She also has built two successful online businesses herself. She's also found out the hard way, like losing money on sketchy businesses and ruined Put your damn laptop away vacation moments that most entrepreneurs are closer to burnout than they are actually to receiving or achieving and achieving six figures. My friend, Christine Hansen. How are you doing today, Christine? Hey, I'm so excited to be here and to be chatting to you today. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited as well because you 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 hit so many good topics. Because I know a lot of entrepreneurs that are, that high six figure entrepreneur or even you know uh, you know several millions, and they still struggle with this whole concept of okay, hey, you know what? Really enjoy, have some fun, and also live the lifestyle that you want. And uh, but before we dive into that, I'd love to see you know kind of what was those hurdles, what was those pain points that you obviously that 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 story, that journey that led you to these moments. Oh wow, there's there's many, many, many different ones. I think what it the main thing that a lot of us start out though is probably that I wasn't groomed to be an entrepreneur. And I think, you know, there's actually quite a few quite few people who actually probably are. At least I'm from a very small country. Luxembourg is one of the smallest countries in the world in the middle of Europe. It's not really known for entrepreneurship. And I didn't even know what entrepreneurship was until in my, you know, thirties really. And, um, and one reason might not just be because, you know, I have no idea about the world, but it's literally in Luxembourgish entrepreneur is someone who is doing construction. So when you, when we talk about an entrepreneur, we think about, you know, cement trucks and things like that. We don't think about Elon Musk or, you know, Jeff Bezos or something like that. And um, even though I studied English literature, English is not my first language. Shakespeare didn't really talk about entrepreneurship, you know? So I literally had no idea. And sometimes you have that phenomenon when you don't know a word for something, you don't really know it exists in a way. So I think that's, and then Luxembourg, something that is specific, and I feel I need to explain this, that a lot, most people in Luxembourg work for the government. It's our government pays very, very well. You have a lot of benefits, which is different to a lot of other countries. And I would probably say 80% of Luxembourgish population works in the government. And then you also need to know that Luxembourgish population swells up to twice the size every day of people from Germany, Belgium, and 
Germ and uh, France crossing the border to work here, which is why we can do this in a way, why this is possible. So I was raised very academically, um, doing an academic career, and I had no idea what else was out there, to be honest. So when I started my business, I started like a lot of people. I knew I wanted to do something. I wanted to help people. Uh, I also knew that I really wanted to live my life independently and that I didn't want to go back to a regular nine to five. But that was pretty much pretty much it. I had no idea about marketing. I didn't know finances at all. Like if I think back to it now, I had no clue. I was, and there's no financial literacy, literacy courses here in our high schools or anything like that. So I had no clue, didn't know anything about mindset, money mindset, nothing. So I think as I walked, worked my way through this new world of wearing all the hats as a solopreneur digitally, I invested a lot of money in a lot of different things. Some I'm grateful. I'm grateful for all of them. There's always a lesson to be learned, correct? But I mean, I also saw what works, what doesn't. And I became very aware of sales pages. Let's put it that way. So I think that might explain my journey and my experiences. And it's also why I can really connect to people who are in the same boat in a way, if that makes sense, I hope. <laughs> it does. And I really have a lot of respect for it because a lot of entrepreneurs that I work with, they've, you know, they, they have maybe been surrounded by entrepreneurs or very, you know, not very similar to what you had to go through. And obviously oh, that was culturally as well. So tell me kind of what did that journey look like? Because you had to be the black sheep, if you will, in this culture. <laughs> And so was that, you know, was that frustrating? Was that painful? Was it like you had to really listen to your internal, you know, Uh, kind of compass? So many good points. Yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. (laughs) So um, the reason why I started or even had the idea to become an entrepreneur was what I now know was a great sales page. Um, So it started when I had my daughter and I downloaded a program about baby sleep because I really didn't want to suffer from sleep deprivation. Right. So, and I had no clue about babies. So I thought, okay, let's read. And then after a while, they sent me an email which I now know was automated, <laughs> where they were certifying a hand-picked selection, which I now know is bullshit, but, you know, and um, of becoming certified sleep consultants. And in Luxembourg, it doesn't exist. Even in Europe, it's it's not a thing where you hire someone to help you with, you know, sleep for your baby. So it was a completely new thing. And I immediately knew this is a brilliant idea. And that sales page painted the perfect picture. They must've had a brilliant copywriter, like how you can live your life independently. They knew that you had a kid. Obviously you can work whenever you want. They crunched the number in advance. You can make that much money with only that many clients. And it was like, yes. And so I knew that I wanted to go back to work and I did go back to work. And even though everything was great in my job, I wasn't happy. And that idea was still in my head. And so I discussed it with my then husband and he was like, you know, if you decided to stay home with you, with the kids, nobody would judge and say anything. So if you want to take some time to start this business, I'm we'll, we'll manage. And as I said, we had great salaries, we had savings. So we just said, okay, we're just going to downsize a little bit. And he let me do my thing. Obviously, once I started, I knew I couldn't go back. 
Um, but what I hadn't anticipated at all was that once you start that journey, specifically as a solopreneur, I think, and you put yourself out there because you are the face of your brand, you change yourself. You have to change. Like before I had a paycheck coming in regularly. I didn't have to ask questions about who I was, you know, and I didn't have to think about what kind of ideas are not my own. Like what did I grow up with and just you know, accepted without questioning versus what do I actually believe is right in my gut, as you said before, in my intuition. And um, and it took me some while, a while, like two years, really, two, three years to really understand the importance of personal development and mindset and all of that. And it changed me profoundly. And I would say if well, my DNA hasn't changed, but if you would look at, I don't know, my aura or who I am, my being, from now and seven years ago when I started, it's completely different. And, you know, the core values are obviously the same, but a lot of bullshit, let's put it that way, that I've had on top of me in terms of beliefs and in thoughts have gone. I've done a lot of work on that. And even though I'm happy with it, it was difficult because obviously my surroundings didn't necessarily change. You know, and it's a little bit, I explain it, I, I try to depict it like a clockwork where you are one cog that's turning doesn't necessarily mean that the whole clockwork will turn with you. Some will easier than others. And that was interesting because the people that I thought would be my biggest champions were quite reserved. The people that I didn't even have necessarily on my radar started to become super fans, you know? So it was really, really interesting in terms of seeing how people, you know, react and a lesson in me in terms of don't assume anything. Um, but a lot changed. My relationship with money changed. Ultimately it my marriage didn't work anymore because even though my husband was, he still is amazing. Great. We had a completely different perspective suddenly on, on money mainly, and it just didn't work anymore, which is fine, you know, but it was just, I changed a lot. So it was, I think sometimes well, I like to tell people, just be aware that when you start this journey, it will change you and you will lose some. You also win some. Now people I meet now, they get to see a pretty honest version of myself, pretty completely out there. And the connections that I forge now are very, very strong. I'm also very selective <laughs> versus what I've done before. I didn't put that much emphasis on who I connected with. So it was a roller coaster for sure. But I think now I can definitely say that I'm very proud of who I am. I love listening to my gut feeling and intuition. Um, and this year I'm actually completely guided by it. I, I don't have a plan contrary to all my other years. And due to, you know, plans going up in flames over the last two years, this year, I completely, completely committed to really going with my gut feeling, which is also my human design, which is a generator going really from what you feel should be yours, obviously with some strategic, you know, baseline, but that is kind of what happened. <laughs> well, and I appreciate you sharing that because uh, I do think that, you know, specifically in entrepreneurship, right? It is a, it is a journey and you really have to get to know who you are and grow yourself. And sometimes that requires sacrifices. I mean, I would imagine 
you know, in that situation, your relationship, it, it was tough, but you knew that you had to go this direction. And mm-hmm. I'm curious when you went, you know, when you had those sacrifices, what were some of the, the self-talk that you really had to overcome that was very negative and maybe even other people that were like kind of, you know, filtering that fire, if you will, burning that fire. And you're like, no, I, I, I disagree with this. This is who I am. This is where I'm going. And how did you overcome that? Were there other mentors that came alongside you or was it just, you know, grunt work? I think it was a combination of both. Um, I think a lot of it was was unspoken. So people didn't necessarily openly attack me, but I could, you can feel it. You know, you can feel it from looks. They just don't get it. Or from, you know, specifically when I split from my husband, it was a huge thing for me. You know, it was like, obviously you don't get married because you want to get divorced. And also my daughter lives mainly with him because he's much more kid connected than I am. Like, don't get me wrong. I love it a bit, but to me, it's exhausting. He does it naturally. Like he likes to play and blah, blah, blah. I really don't. (laughs) So we're just very different and it worked out best for us, but that was a huge, huge, huge step that I also knew I have to do, even though, you know, Nobody, if you tell someone we're divorced, my daughter lives with her father, they look at you like, okay, does she have a criminal record? What's wrong with her? Nobody would ask that question to a guy. If he said she lives with her mother, nobody would even question that. So a lot of different things came. um, And I think a lot of it was felt internally from me. And I had a lot of interior dialogues where I assume as well what people say, even though I'm not sure, but where I think I know what they think, you know? So I had to. But for some reason, I never, I never doubted that it was the right path though. And I think it's also because I consistently work with coaches on my own as well. I pretty much always had some kind of coach, sometimes a business coach, sometimes an energy coach, sometimes a mix of all of it. And often a community, you know, where I'd be in a program or a mastermind or something like that. And I think what I always believed in was my idea, my vision. And I've also always knew I can't go back. Like it would literally break me. I could never, like once you have that freedom, there's no way. And I think for me, that was quite easy to believe in my vision and to go for it. And to also know that everything I've been given, I've been given for a reason. You know, so I was originally born in Colombia. I was adopted by my Luxembourgish parents when I was four months old, so really tiny. So for me, it's not a coincidence that I that that happened, that I managed to grow up in a wealthy family, got all the education that I needed, that I had savings and financial freedom to play around, to invest and so forth. And so it took me a while to accept that any money is my money, even if it's not for my business. But once I got there it was much easier for me to really truly believe that I can do this and I will, and I am doing this. And I think community is really important because sometimes you forget. So I think I haven't done anything. And then my assistant will come. You do realize that you've done this, 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 and all of these things over the last couple of months. It's like, oh, well, if you put it like that, you know, so I always try to have some people around me, my team, of course. And then when the time is right, I always invest in a coach, even if it's just like 15 minute touch-ups, you know, where we just talk for accountability or where I just want to, you know, just chat a little bit. It's important to me. Yeah. 
Well, I appreciate you saying that because it's just you're being very authentic because you have to be very serious and say, hey, these are the things that you had to overcome. And I think sometimes definitely in this culture, which is where you're at, and it's just cool to hear that perspective because culturally everybody's government, employee, get a job, mm-hmm. have that for 40 years, retire, right? And that, that, yes. that, you know, culturally, United States is slightly different where it, it, it embraces the entrepreneur spirit a little bit better. And so I yeah. just really appreciate you sharing kind of, okay, you really had to be very intentional with your community. And yeah. so you did mention though, that, um, you know, you, you've, you've missed experiences where you're, you know, you know, on vacation and you've missed those where you didn't have that balance. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, obviously you're a go-getter, you're, you're focused, you're energized. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening uh, to these podcasts, they, they are the same. And I think they also struggle with that balance. So I'd love to kind of get to the point where, okay, at what point did you realize, okay, shoot, I got to do something. I'm, I'm, I'm too much the, the energized, you know, bunny, if you will. Yeah. So I think what happens for a lot of people who start entrepreneurship is that, and I think at the time as well, that was seven years ago, a lot has changed again since then, but it was quite aggressive at that time. So there was a lot of fancy copies, um, flick, click funnel, 3000 gazillion funnels, you know, it was crazy. And everything promised the world. Everything sounded amazing. And you get caught up in that. So you sign up for all these courses and you see all these testimonials of people. This is what I achieved after taking this course or after joining this program or after downloading this software, the webinar script that is going to make you millions, you know? So, and you don't know in the beginning, like, why would people say that if it wasn't true? You know, you might be a little bit cautious, but if just 10% works out, it's still going to be like, great. So if you are a little bit like me, I'm a person who's all in. Like if something catches me, it's a wildfire. It's not a little, you know, nice chimney kind of thing. It's like all or nothing. I'm all in. And that is ultimately, and I can do that for a long time when it excites me. So I started with all the marketing courses, then how to create a course yourself. Then I took a course in media and it worked well. Don't get me wrong. I got amazing media placements, but it also cost me a lot of energy. And I will always remember it was too early as well. Um, cause I remember that I had an, an interview, one of my very first interviews with my very first company. That was the second company actually that was sleep like a boss was an entrepreneur on fire with John Lee Dumas, which was already then very prestigious. And oh God, I should never have been on that podcast at that time. Like it was not that it's atrocious, but <laughs> I wish I'd had had more wisdom. Maybe it's also great that I didn't, but that was during the holiday where we had a villa in, in Italy at the Lago Maggiore, beautiful view. My little one was like, what, two maybe? And it was this beautiful, you know, Italy, the lake, beautiful weather. And all I could think about is, is the internet going to hold up for that interview? You know? So those are things that I regret. Um, or, or learned from, let's put it that way. I don't really have regrets necessarily. Um, but I think it's this excitement that you get. And then of course, again, the sales pages, the pictures that you 
get painted and that you then see in your head, it's difficult to ignore that, you know, it's, it seems so close. So you want to give it all. And especially if you're a person like me, I'm not patient at all. So it means the quicker I implement, obviously the quicker the result. I didn't understand that a business takes momentum, whatever you do, however you invest, you can collapse time through others expertise through investing. Yes, but still it takes momentum. So my expectations were also unrealistic at times. And the disappointment when it didn't work out then, because the testimonials had said so, were huge. It crushed me. I was emotionally, how can these people all manage? And I don't. What I didn't necessarily understood or knew was that these testimonials had been gathered over years, didn't necessarily apply to just that course, but to years of prep work before. And it's something that I still see now. I uh, I signed up this in the beginning of this year or last year, I'm not even sure, to a course that I didn't I really didn't need, but I just wanted to look into the Facebook group that came with the course because it was it was aimed at beginners. And so it was a little bit of recon and exactly the way that I felt happened again there, because it was all about building an online course, which means, you know, you need to have your opt-in, your funnels, your website, your email, welcome sequence, delivering the course. And that's a lot. And people forget entrepreneurs, we, especially in the digital market, we forget that the people who start their business comes from all kinds of different backgrounds. They might be quilters. They might give horse riding lessons. They might tell you how to sew, paint. They have no clue on all this tech world. And I was interested in it. So I enjoyed it. But what I could see there were comments like, I feel overwhelmed. I feel out of place. I feel stupid. I'm overwhelmed. You know, I, I just, all of these feelings and that is, I think, something that is quite dangerous to feed too much, not to set those real, to these expectations and timeframes. And it's kind of, I did it for a long time because I enjoyed it to an extent, but then I crashed. I was exhausted. I was so tired. And funnily enough, when I stopped doing all the things and I had my rhythm and I nearly didn't do anything, really embraced my inner lazy, I realized I have the same results. You know, it's like it's on autopilot. It works really well. I raised my pricing crazy and it worked just as well. And that is, I think that was one of the biggest aha moments. And I never look back since then. And it's what I teach my students as well. It's the super simple business strategies. Like keep it as simple as you can if you don't want the big complicated. Some people love that, but other people really don't ever want to have a huge team, 5,000 affiliates or anything like that. Like I think my expertise in that way is also to create products that you don't need to work on all the time that will make you a lot of money and that still leave you a lot of time really going the exclusive route there. So yeah, that's a little bit how I lived through all of these, <laughs> these hectic frenzies, which I enjoyed, but then also at some point couldn't keep up with anymore. Which makes perfect sense. And, and so I love that you said that keeping it simple because it really is. And what I found as well, it's like a lot of people always want to be like a bajillionaire and make, you know, a hundred million dollars and so forth. But the reality is that all of a sudden you start realizing, okay, hey, you know, you, you, you take home, you know, thirty, forty thousand $40,000 a month that literally can hold and you can live a very nice lifestyle. So now exactly. that you kind of pivoted to kind of realizing, okay, I, I want to build my lifestyle and then build work around my lifestyle. Um, what, 
how do you structure that? Because I do know that you, you mentioned here, you know, taking vacation every six weeks, spoiling yourself with something nice on a, you know, very regular basis, things like that, that, you know, as you work with your clients, that's kind of something that you make sure you facilitate in their, in their, you know, uh, lifestyle. So, um, how do you how do you make sure that you leverage you know uh, virtual assistants or processes or systems that be able to say okay I can I can live my life and, and enjoy my life and it's you know not being guilty uh, because I very similar to you probably hey you're you're staying with your family you're spending time with your family and then you feel guilty for not working or vice versa you're working and you feel guilty for not spending time with your family and how to eliminate that guilt and say it's okay if I'm on vacation without being gung-ho 100 hours a week right and it's okay it's that mindset so uh, i'd love to kind of get your response on that yeah absolutely so travel has always been important to me i've always traveled like all my life and it's always replenished me but of course i wanted to really focus on enjoying it more and so one of the first things this is just a strategy but it's the most important thing to me is you said every six weeks that's very true because literally at the beginning of the year I take my schedule and I block out every six weeks. I don't even look at whether my little one has vacations or holidays, school holidays. It's just that I know that I need that. I And I want it. It's not just a need. This is my life. I want this. This is what I not even deserve. It's just, I feel like it. So it's absolutely valid. So that's the first thing I do. Um, really making sure that I don't launch anything before that, making sure that if I have any big projects, they don't mess with that schedule. And then my business is very much built on a baseline of content creation, which is pretty much on autopilot. So I batch a lot in the beginning of a quarter. And all I do is literally record videos and do interviews. And then my assistant and my team, they have a workflow that goes on autopilot. They prepare everything and everything is scheduled out. And I don't need to do anything literally, which leaves me the time to really focus on client acquisition my way in a way, which is not even finding clients, but it's literally just being there for them to find me. Whether that is now local networking again, because it's really a strength of mine. And I kind of dissed it for a while. I was like, ah, I don't want to do that anymore, you know? And then I realized, actually, I've always been very good at it. So why not enjoy it again? And also really being very strategic with how I use my personal time to show up. So that doesn't mean like social media for me is not necessarily content creation. I like, I have my baseline content, which is on YouTube and podcasting and Pinterest and anything that's for search engines. Social media for me is more my soul kind of, you know, giving insights into what I do and I could be better at it, but I honestly go with it pretty much as I feel like it. And I know that if I have a good game on it works really well for me, but if I force myself to do it, it's just throwing spaghetti on the wall. So I really changed from being very strategic to that. Just my social media is literally me sparking whenever I spark. The other thing is that I really made sure that I don't have a gazillion offers. So I have a very simple way of working with me when you are a beginner. And then the, I always, always, it's what I teach and what I have is I have a a top offer, a high end offer, which for me is the business tripper community. And it started because I really focused on what I like. What do I like? I'm a very egocentric person and it's what I teach everyone because the only thing you ever know for sure is what you like and what you don't like. So what I like is travel. The other thing that I like is I like traveling with people that I enjoy 
But what I really like is to travel with people who I can have a conversation about business. Because if you travel with someone who isn't an entrepreneur, they don't quite get it. It's, it's, it's different. It's just a different life. So I love talking business in, you know, that conversation that you have when you go to a conference and you share a cab or, you know, that you have during the break, during a mastermind. So I wanted to facilitate that, but traveling wherever I want to travel. So going to exotic countries where you have a completely clean slate and you can, you have a completely new perspective, but you can talk shop with people who won't judge you, you know, who actually champion you on, who might ask the right questions or give you ideas. And that is my high end offer in the end, you know, because I, I, I'm targeting more seasoned entrepreneurs. So it's 10,000 at the moment per spot because everything is five stars. Cause that's something I like too. I like my luxury. So, you know, I'm, you'll never catch me dead in a three-star hotel. It's just not going to happen. You know, if the flight is more than four hours, there's no way I'm going to fly coach. It's just not. So I want to facilitate that because as you said correctly, this guilt piece, interestingly, I've never been too bad at handling that. I've actually been pretty good at being, creating my bubble, but I've realized that that's not a given as you pointed out correctly. A lot of people struggle with that. So the business tripper community is really prepping people for that, to take, to press pause, to get away from it all. Your CFO who might tell you this is a good idea, but financially, da, da, da. or your spouse who might say this is a good idea, but no, 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 no. This is an environment where you can just listen to yourself for a while, not having one, any chattering, giving unsolicited advice, dreaming, and also questioning whether you are actually still happy. Because I think a lot of people build businesses successfully. And once they purr along, you know, beautifully, they're not quite as fulfilling anymore. Or you change and you suddenly outgrow your business, your interests change. And that pivot point where you question yourself, I can't really leave my community. I mean, I've groomed them. They are paying me. They are fans. But then again, they don't inspire me anymore. This is meant to give you permission to toy around whether you actually want to change maybe. And that is really why I created this. It's yes, to travel and have fun, but it's also to fundamentally question, take a pause, take a break, get perspective and to question, am I still on the right path or if it's time for me to pivot? Which I think is more difficult when you are successful than if you're struggling, right? So then I think it's because I don't have a lot of issues with that. I think that's something where I thought, okay, I want to facilitate that because I know that it's it's really important and a lot of people do struggle with it. That is huge. And, and I'm really glad you're sharing this because, you know, we hear Elon Musk, right? You know, numerous interviews talking about a hundred hours of work, you know, a week. And he's just consistently doing that for the last 25, 30 years. Um, and a lot of people just don't have that capability. And I really want to emphasize, you know, Christine, you know, with the clients that you work with that have gone on these trips with you that have, you know, just really break it free. I always love to see the creativity that they experience and then they're able to come back and apply that. And I love to get and just hear some of your clients results because of that, just really pulling back and allowing that, you know, re-energize if you will, and, and being able to really just stop and think. I'd love to get your response on that. 
<laughs> yeah, well, the first one was supposed to happen in 2019, 2020. So thanks to the pandemic, we had to postpone everything. But I did a similar thing with a mentorship retreat before. And I think uh, looking at what we're going to do, the main thing is the permission, I think, is just to have a context where you get that perspective. And then you ask another question. I don't remember. What was the first question again? <laughs> yeah, no worries. The, what I was really figuring out is like the, the results of some of the clients, like just, the, I guess, the importance of why they should yeah. do this, because it's like understanding that this is very important and it's an investment of, of your time and energy. Yeah. I think one thing that people underestimate is that it's, first of all, it's for yourself, right? It's to just tune off because you see something different than usual. You eat differently. You smell differently. You see different cultures. Travel in itself scientifically has proven that it sparks your creativity, that it heightens your sense of gratitude, which is really important too for creativity. And then having the peers around you, obviously it's perspectives that you would never get if you stay in the same place, in the same office, in the same city with the same people. The other thing that I find that people underestimate is the impact that that time away has on others, because it's literally an audit on whether your business works without you, because your team will have to step up. Your family has to step up and they will. And so it's really, really astounding what this can do for your company environment and company culture in terms of their self-esteem and their observations of the company as well, because they will figure out, okay, actually I managed to do all these steps without you. I'll be able to do them in the future, giving you more free time. Or they might say, this didn't work at all. We need to optimize this. Same for your home. You know, if your family might be able to manage, they know how to ask for help now. And it gives you a lot of freedom. So I think that's also a piece specifically when I talk to, doesn't matter if it's men or women, but people who have, you know, a lot of kids or a lot of responsibility outside of their companies as well. It can be very difficult to let go, you know, to say, okay, I'm just going to go away. And especially if it's a nice destination, you know, if it's, if it's just a boardroom or a boring conference, people seem to be more forgiving than if I say, okay, we're going to Bali in July and we're going to Namibia in April. But the thing is you deserve it totally. So that mindset alone, and then really making clear that this is beneficial for everyone. It's beneficial for me. It's beneficial for my company. It's beneficial for my family. It will have me come back with clarity, not wobbling around in a good way for my company or a more uncomfortable way. You might come back and say, I'm actually going to purge all of this because it's dead weight to me. It's not inspiring me anymore. And you can be absolutely certain that the people who will be there with you, they get it and they will support you, you know? So I think that is, you can't get that anywhere else. It's just, it doesn't exist. Honestly, a community like that traveling from place to place doesn't exist. And the beautiful thing is that you can take these trips over and over again to different destinations. You might see the same people, you might not, but everyone who's be, who is there has the same experiences. And what I love about it is that we merge the brick and mortar, the offline and the online, which is huge because there are so many synergies that we just don't talk about because we're all in our bubbles. And then having the different cultures, all these experiences, it's awesome. <laughs> 
which is which is fantastic. And so obviously the importance, and, and I really appreciate emphasizing the importance of that because I do know, like even Bill Gates, uh, he's known for taking just a weekend and literally going somewhere, literally no electronics, and just reading and reading and reading and reading, and and the power that he has coming back into kind of just refresh and so forth. And and I've been doing that for the last two years because I heard that, that oh this is awesome. So now uh, now that we kind of emphasize the importance of that. How much should these individuals, or I guess my question is, how do they prepare for it so that they let their team notify, obviously making sure, hey, I'm going to be off the grid 100%, not 99%, not 85% where I've got Slack available still. No, I'll be 100% off the grid and making sure that, okay, hey, how do I make sure that, hey, this thing still runs so that I can really enjoy myself without coming back and like, oh, everybody quit. What the heck happened, right? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked. Actually, we've prepared a complete kit, the pre-business travel kit, which has all the different, which has like basically lots of templates. So it has a kind of checklist, making sure that everything in your company is ready, meaning are your SOPs down? Does everybody know what to do? How Do you have your out-of-office emails? We even have templates for that. We have minutes or points that you should develop or, or, or you know, um, discuss with your team before you're leaving, making clear everything is gone, everything is ready to do, you know, the same for your family. Like, how can you prepare your family? How can you be sure that you can leave peace of mind? So we have a whole kit prepared for people who will attend to make sure that they can literally, their taxi is picking them up and that's it. I'm out of here. And Namibia, for example, there is literally no cell phone reception. Like we're in the desert. There is no, you won't have a chance to be on the phone because there's no reception. And in the beginning, it's going to make people freak out, but it's the ultimate bliss in the end to reconnect and to breathe, you know, (laughs) to just breathe and hear your thoughts and to have everything slow down. So, so we do prepare everyone who who comes, they get access to that, um, which is just, it's in the end, it's just strategy and preparation. But we thought of all the things. We even prepared scripts to read to your employees and to your family, justifying why you are leaving. So there's literally no excuse not to come. I love it. I love it. I think that's that's brilliant because that's exactly what business owners need. They almost kind of need like, hey, mandatory. You literally do not have reception out here. You cannot get on your cell phone, even if you wanted to. And then it's just it's just putting them in that. It's uncomfort, right? And we all we all have heard uncomfortable is that's where you grow that uncomfort. And it's uncomfortable for us to go and, and leave our business for a week, two weeks, whatever it may be. But it's so needed. I just I'm glad we're talking about this. this is really awesome. Um, is there anything that you want to add as well? Kind of like on the. Um, just like maybe facilitating growth, like should they come in with, okay, hey, I'm going to read some books. Uh, I'm going to bring some books. I'm going to kind of learn. I'm going to, you know, have some, you know, journaling, you know, some tasks that they're going to want to do throughout that process. Or is it just going to be, hey, I'm just going to be spontaneous throughout the whole event? So we have a theme for every day. So our main topics are permission, pause, perspective, play, and passion. So every day we have prompts for journaling, for discussions, but we also have excursions. So it's really not just we're going to be at the hotel pool all day. We're literally doing something cultural every day, whether it is local cooking classes, whether it is a safari trip, whether it is driving to a thousand year old or more than a thousand year old desert that you only see in one place in the world. All of these things inspire. So I would rather say just 
come as a blank slate without expectations. It's not going to be your typical conference of woo and learn, you know, we're going to, everyone will walk on fire. I know it's a thing and it's great, but it's like, it's not, it's like, it's, we have prompts, but expect to be utterly changed by unexpected conversations with people who you might have thought I will never connect with, who you would probably not connect with in life at home, who will ask you a question that will utterly shatter your paradigm until now. That's what it's about. And that's the beauty of it, you know? So I love being in the jungle in Bali and you just walk and you're sweating and you're drinking your coconut and someone you're discussing something and you have two completely different experiences about the same thing. And it just enriches you so much. Those are the things that I live for and that I want to facilitate. So it's not going to be, we're going to yoga all day long. Really not. It's resting, experiencing and being open-minded. That is the main thing, I think. Wow. I love that. I love that. I just, I think it's just so powerful. And I just love what you're saying <laughs> because every conference that I've been to, it's woohoo, walk on fire and all this fun stuff. Right. And it's just really just relaxing. Right. And just really emphasizing that in energy, but also it's prompts. It is very intentional with how you're facilitating the, the right networking, which is awesome. Um, now guys, Christine, where can my audience reach out to you, maybe get, get involved with this, be part of it, get on the waiting list? Because I do know you guys have a lot, of, uh, a lot of applicants in this process. So how can they yeah. reach out to you, Christine? So everything is on my, in my digital home, which is christinemeansbusiness.com. You will find a section for beginners who might be more interested in beginner coaching. And then you have the business tripper community where you will find the programs that are up, the itineraries that are up and where you can just email me. I do this through email mostly. I don't have the gazelle, the fanciest application form because honestly, my questions change all the time. So I will really take it organically from there, but it's true. Every business trip that we take or business trip sounds so formal or experience, it's only eight people each time. So it's never a big group. It's always quite intimate. So make sure that you get there ahead of time, obviously, to, to make sure that you grab a spot. Awesome. Great, great. And guys, that is that those links will actually be in the description below. Make sure you click on that. Make sure you, of course, apply and make sure you do it sooner because this is, you know, there's about uh, 65 to 100,000 people that are listening to these these podcasts. So make sure that you, you're you on the top list on that. And uh, obviously, Christine, I just want to say thank you so much just for the value that you brought and really the emphasis. I, I, I don't think that this is really talked about a lot in our community. We've always talked about hustle. We always talk about side hustle. We always talk about, you know, grew and <laughs> going and moving right. And that's awesome. But there is just an incredible investment investment that is that you'll see the return on investment so powerfully by just resting and really being intentional with this. And I just, I think that's awesome that you're spearheading in this, uh, this category, but before we let you go, is there any last words that you'd like to share with our audience? I think one, I love that we talked about this and that you, you get it. And that's also what I want to tell whoever at whatever stage you are, Unfortunately, this is a realization that most of us get after a certain seasoning. Let's put it that way. You know, like the more I talk to experienced entrepreneurs, they immediately get it. In the beginning, you don't quite. So if we have anyone listening who is still in the beginning and maybe in the, I'm so excited phase, do make sure like 
you know, I mean, Chris, you are super successful and experienced and you immediately understood the importance. So listen to that and try to apply it, maybe not immediately for the retreat, but in your own version. And the other thing maybe is that I always joke, you know, my inner lazy and it is lazy, but ultimately I've started to understand that it's perceived more as laziness. Whereas for me, it's, it's the calm that I need in order to burn when I need to, and when I want to. So that I think is also something, a little food for thought thing. That is brilliant. I love that. The calm that you need to burn when you need to and want to. That's beautiful. I love that quote. And uh, guys, that is Christine Hansen. This is Journey with Christian Evans podcast. Until next time, guys, remember, be uncommon if you can.